0: You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Thanks, guys. Uh, If you didn't catch that, Maria referred to me as Critter. Um, So that's a nickname that I have that I couldn't shake. I tried when I was like 12 to shake it and it didn't work. Uh, So Chris and Critter, same thing. I'm from South Louisiana. Everyone down there is called Critter. It's just a thing. So if you go down there, just call people Critter and they'll respond to you, I promise. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's my older brother that couldn't pronounce Christopher, and it's just always been with me. Uh, but good morning. Super glad you're here. Um, again, I'm the lead pastor here at Embassy Church, and this is a big day. It's a big day to celebrate because it's Resurrection Sunday, uh, and it's also Launch Sunday. And so for Christians, like Derek and Maria said, uh, this this is a day of hope. This is a day of, of great expectation. And for Christians, we have a hope for the future because of what God concretely did in the past 2000 years ago and so um, it is delightful just to to be here in the same room with you and um and make a big deal about it Uh, a little background to our story getting here Uh, like maria said it it took a a little while God kind of put this this vision uh on our hearts maybe even three years ago about what would it look like to plant a multi-generational church focused on the next generation in a university center because we really believe that the next generation matters and so um, we want to have a picture of the body of Christ, multi-generational body of Christ where people are at every stage of life, every step of maturity and the next generation can see what it looks like to follow Jesus for a lifetime that it's not just a college experience, something you leave behind with intramurals or Greek life, but you get a picture of it. And so we think the younger generation needs the older, the older generation needs the younger, and that's a big part of, um, of the culture we wanna build here. And so we got to launch the Salt Company uh, back in August in the fall. And we've had this kind of now not yet, you know, tension uh, between launching. And the, the image that I use, it's kind of like, like a wedding, right? A wedding's a moment. You know, we love weddings. Uh, Midwest weddings are a little different than Southern weddings, but they're all great. And and we kind of were going to get married, have the wedding, and then COVID hit. And so no wedding, but we did the justice of a peace thing, you know. We kind of just showed up. And so we've been gathering on Sunday morning at the Graduate downtown on Kirkwood um, as a church family. Um, we've had our Thursday night gathering on Thursday nights. Um, but this is our moment. And, and we're super excited that y'all are, are joining us to celebrate in the moment. Um, one of the things that I get asked a lot in this process um, is what's it been like to plant a church at a pandemic? And, and I actually get this question probably more often, is, is how you feeling? And my answer to that is always the same. It's a lot. Like when people ask me how I'm feeling, I'm like, I'm feeling a lot. There's a lot of feels going on uh, in planting a church at a pandemic because church planting is is hard. And then doing it in a pandemic is, is doubly hard. And I, I'm pretty sure everybody can kind of resonate with that. We're coming on the back end of a year now where life kind of, got turned upside down, and and it's been hard, and there's been a lot of feels, but there's, there's one feel that I want to kind of focus in on this morning, um, and I want to illustrate it with a Disney um, image, because I think in Disney, I have three little girls, uh, we, we have Disney Plus on repeat, um, and and so most of my analogies, actually, if you come on a Sunday morning, will be Disney, um, I just got to warn you, um, but it's the, it's the image of, um, of Elsa and Anna and Frozen. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to this epic, you know, blockbuster smash hit from a few years ago. But on the front end of the movie Frozen, and if you're a parent, you're going to get this. If you're not, just nod along and pretend like you get this, okay? I got different illustrations for you later. But if you're a parent, on the front end of Elsa or, or Frozen, you have Elsa and Anna. Um, and in the second song, actually, is Do You Want to Build a Snowman? Right? Do I have to sing it? Are y'all tracking with me? Do you want to build a snowman? Right? Track with me? All right, so this song is, is placed on the front end of Frozen, and, and the illustrators use it to kind of track us from, from Elsa and Anna in their magical childhood, building a snowman, um, all the way through this just tragical moment where they lose their, their parents in a shipwreck. And then the song ends, and it's Elsa and Anna, I don't know, young 20s, and, and Anna's in black, and she's knocking on a door, but the door's not opening, All right, and so there's this image, this powerful image where where Anna has her back to the door in a hallway, and she's alone. And Elsa has her back to the same door in a room, and she's alone. And then the camera zooms out, and Elsa's just frozen there, in a sense, in grief, in loss, in pain. And, And there's just snow and ice just splattered all over the room, right? It's a powerful picture of what I think, in a lot of ways, I've felt in this pandemic and I think many of us have felt at different times in the past year. Lonely. It's a powerful human emotion. It's a human emotion that in a weird, ironic way has connected every single one of us on this planet in the past year. All 7.6 billion people have been connected by actually feeling disconnected and feeling lonely, feeling alone. And so my question for us this morning is, is what do we do in our loneliness? I don't know what your lonely has been. I don't know if it's loneliness of grieving because you've lost significantly in the last year. Family or friends, uh, you lost relationships, maybe you lost celebrations, weddings or, or whatnot, but you've lost something. And so there's a loneliness in grief. I don't know if it's a loneliness of leaving, like distance between family and friends, distance in relationships, but there's a loneliness in leaving. And there's a loneliness and anxiety or, or, or depression, but, but you felt lonely. And my question this morning that I think ultimately the resurrection speaks to is, is what do we do in our lonely? What do you do in your lonely? And so um, if you were to Google just loneliness, what you would probably find is a lot of articles actually in 2018, 2019 uh, about what was called the loneliness epidemic, And it's almost prophetic now when you look back and read these articles. There was tons of them. I remember reading them two years ago about this loneliness epidemic that was kind of sweeping the country. And now we have a loneliness pandemic. And so you take what was already existent, I think, a lot in our culture and then add a pandemic on top of it. And it's a poignant feeling I think we've all felt. And the question is, again, what do we do in our loneliness? One of those scientific studies um, studying it by a major health insurer, compared loneliness and its effects on our physical and emotional and psychological well-being as to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That loneliness hurts. It's, it's, it's painful. But what the, the studies and the articles um, couldn't come to a conclusion on is is loneliness, is it a symptom or a cause? And this morning, um, I think it's both, actually, but I want to look at loneliness as a symptom, as a symptom to something deeper. A pastor writes it this way. Loneliness acts as a divine sticky note that says, don't forget for whom you were made. What I want to put forward to us this morning is that loneliness ultimately points to the fact that we are relational beings, that we are made from relationship by a triune God, full relationship with that triune God. And so when we feel the pang of loneliness, it's supposed to point us to something or someone greater. And so again, the question is, what do we do with our loneliness? Loneliness should be a reminder. And here's where Resurrection Sunday has, uh, has something to say. I think Jesus has something to say about your lonely. He has something to say about loneliness and what you should be doing with it. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, look with me at the book of John, chapter 11. All right, and if you're new to the Bible, uh, the table of contents is a friendly neighbor, so don't be shy about stopping and asking for directions. But we're in the Gospel of John. It's the fourth book of the New Testament, chapter 11. And I'm going to give you a little context before we jump into our text uh, of what se- this scene is that that we're about to read through. So, Christians celebrated this week Holy Week. Holy Week starts with Palm Sunday, which was last Sunday, and ends with Resurrection Sunday, which is this Sunday. And and Palm Sunday is is celebrating the day where Jesus walks into Jerusalem and the crowds are shouting, Hosanna, which means save us. They're waving palm branches. They're laying their their coats in the ground for Jesus to walk in, and they're screaming, save us, to this Messiah, this Christ, this anointed one that scriptures had pointed to would come and save them from their lonely. And the same crowds that are shouting that, are crowds that for most of them witnessed Jesus do something absolutely incredible the day before. The Saturday before Palm Sunday, Jesus did something that absolutely confirmed to them he can save us from our lonely. You see, that's the day where Jesus actually brought Lazarus back to life. And so John 11 is, is this picture of two sisters, lonely in grief, and what Jesus has to say about that lonely. And so read with me in John chapter 11, verse 17. It says, Jesus arrived and he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So the picture we get is the loneliness of grief. Martha and Mary are lonely in their grief. And Jesus shows up. Right? There's just something, if you've you've ever been lonely in your grief, there's something about somebody just coming and being with you. Not saying anything. Just showing up. So here you have two sisters who lose a brother, and Jesus shows up. Jesus is present in our lonely. You know, I think this is really important, and it's too easy to miss, because often this is what happens when we're lonely. We don't feel like anyone can understand. We don't feel like anyone can empathize. We almost want to just sit in our lonely alone. We don't want to communicate it. We don't want to communicate it to friends, let alone to God. And here you have a picture of Jesus present and lonely keep going on jump down to verse 23 this is what jesus says to martha your brother will rise again jesus told her martha said to him i know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day jesus said to her i am the resurrection and the life no one who believes in me even in even if he dies will live excuse me to the one who believes in me even if he dies he will live everyone who lives and believes in me will never die do you believe this Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. So Martha and Mary had seen the signs. They had seen Jesus do the miraculous, healing the lame, the sick, the blind, the demon-possessed. And they almost in sorrow go, Jesus, if you would have showed up on time, I wouldn't be feeling this lonely. And Jesus makes a promise. This is what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life Ultimately, what Jesus is telling her and telling us is that he's a promiser of hope. See, every good Jew would know the scriptures. They would know that on the last day there will be a reckoning. We talk a lot about that in our society today. A reckoning of generations. Well, there will be a reckoning before a holy God. And the just and the unjust will all be raised. The just to everlasting life. The unjust to everlasting contempt. That's all throughout the scriptures. And Mary and Martha know that. But Jesus is promising something greater. He's pointing to himself and saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And to understand this, you got to go all the way back to creation in Genesis. Or again, a triune God in relationship created man in his image for relationship. And what happened when Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree is there was relational distance. That sin brought a divide between a holy God and an unholy man. And so Jesus is pointing to a renewal of that brokenness saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And he's promising hope. So Jesus is present with us in our loneliness, and he promises us hope in our loneliness. But again, if you felt that pang, you know that words are mere sentiment without power. And so look what Jesus does. All the way down in verse 38. It says, then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there's already been a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that you may believe, or they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out bound, hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus, with a shout, tells Lazarus, come out. Again, presence, and promise, it's mere words, it's mere empty sentiment unless there's power behind it. In the picture that we get, what Jesus has to say about our lonely is he's not just present with us in it. He doesn't just have promises for better things, but he has the power to do something about it. Here Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave, out of his lonely, and says, unwrap him and let him go. So what does this have for us this morning? Again, the question that I started us with is what do you do with your lonely? What do you do with it? When you feel it, what do you do with it? All too often the answers are you deny it, you act like it's not there, or you cope with substances, right? Or, or you, you don't deny it, you don't just cope with it, but you capitulate to it. You lose hope and you get into self-pity. But Jesus promises something completely different here. Jesus says, I'm present with you in your lonely. Jesus says, I want to promise you hope in your lonely. I want to give you the power to leave lonely alone and walk out of it. For it to unwrap you so it doesn't hold you down, but I can hold you up. Isn't that incredible? Don't you see the the hope that is just riddled in this passage? If Jesus was here this morning, I, I think to you and me, he might say something like this. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give me your lonely. Why are you holding on to that? In your bag, or at least beneath it, there's a yellow sticky note. I actually put them on the bottom of the seats and then they fell off and I was like, this is is a mess. So uh, on the floor, there's a yellow sticky note. I want you to grab it. It's beneath your bag, not in it, I apologize. And there's a pen in your bag, and I want you to write two words on that yellow sticky note. And If you don't have a yellow sticky note, you can use the journal we gave you, but the sticky note, uh, I think, illustrates the point a little bit better. But I want you to write two words on that sticky note. Because again, I think loneliness is this divine sticky note reminding us for whom we are made. I want you to go a little deeper than lonely, right? We've all felt the feeling. We all can resonate with the image maybe of of Anna and Elsa sitting with their backs to one another, next to each other, but not near. We can all resonate with, with Mary and Martha and Eden Lazarus, and then they're lonely, but but go past the word, go past the feeling, and I want you to to write what leads to your loneliness, what has led to it in this last year. Maybe it's a thing, maybe it's, It's maybe a person you miss. Just just put a word there. For me, I put anxiety. In my angst, my mind doesn't stop. And that's a really lonely place for me to be as a leader. So anxiety as a way of just stealing my intimacy with other people. So I don't know what your word is, but I want you to write a word down. A word that is associated with your lonely. Another word I can actually write a name is Patrick. Didn't expect to say that. Um, That's my brother. And I miss him. I didn't realize how much I missed him until I got emotional just now. Best friend, best man at my wedding... I had to live five doors down from him. And I miss him. Write a word, write a name. And beneath that word or name, I want you to write the name Jesus. And I want you to take that sticky note. I want you to put it the inside of the journal we gave you. I want you to put it somewhere. But uh, I want it to be a reminder to you, to us. That we can leave our lonely alone, that that Jesus wants to enter into our lonely with us, that Jesus is present in our loneliness, that Jesus promises us hope in our loneliness, that Jesus has the power to bring us out of it. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if you follow Jesus, you'll never feel lonely. I am saying that you have a friend that you can invite into your lonely that will never leave you. A friend that you can invite into your alone that understands what it's like to be lonely. A friend that in some ways is lonelier than you and I ever could imagine to be. If you fast forward from that Saturday and Palm Sunday all the way to Good Friday, the picture that you get of Jesus is, Jesus denied by friends. Jesus demonized by his religious leaders. Jesus turned away from him by his father and just hanging lonely on a cross. Jesus was making a statement to Martha when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He was saying, I am God. I am God. And just as like I spoke life into existence in the beginning, I'm going to call life out in Lazarus right here, right now. And Jesus was put on that cross as God in human flesh, lonely like us, humanity, to deal with the relational gap between man and God, between you and the God that created you. And then he was lonely, buried in a dark, cold hillside. And you fast forward two days more, and just like Lazarus walked out of that grave, out of lonely, Jesus walked out too. And he said, once and for all, on Resurrection Sunday, lonely can be left alone. Lonely can be left in that grave. That you don't have to be lonely anymore. Jesus dealt with the relational gap between us and the God that made us, and us and the people that are around us made in God's image. He came to restore that. That's what we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday. That's what we celebrate here at Easter. Is the start of something new and good and right, the renewal of all things. And so this morning, what I want to leave you with is that question and how you've been answering it. What do you do with your lonely? And if it isn't that you give it to Jesus, I challenge you or implore you to do that this morning. That you'd see that Jesus is a God that's present with you in your loneliness. He's a God that promises you hope. And more importantly, what Resurrection Sunday gives us, he's a God that has the power to do something about it. That's the Jesus we celebrate as Christians. That's the Jesus that we remember on Resurrection Sunday. That's the Jesus that I want us to stand and sing to here in a few minutes. Jesus, who embraced loneliness so that we don't have to be held down by it. Let me pray for us, and then we can sing to that Jesus because he's worthy. Jesus, we remember you today. We remember you as the God that came in human flesh and met us in our loneliness, met us in our wandering and our rebellion, and you promised hope that it's all on your shoulders and not on ours and that you had the power to bring it about. And so we stand in all of you this Resurrection Sunday. We stand in awe that you entered into our loneliness so that we don't have to be alone. We love you because you first loved us. And the cross and the resurrection give us the most clear picture of that. And so I pray this morning that you know, our hearts would be right before you. I pray this morning that our words would say the right things about who you are and how great you are and what you deserve from us. And I pray that you would do something in our lives, in our families, in this city, through this church that bring about the hope that only you offer, that can only be found in your gospel, that can only be found in the cross and the resurrection. Would you continue to advance your church Would you continue to build up Embassy Church? And would you bless this city, bless Bloomington, bless this campus through our efforts? Bring us to life. And would you do it for your glory? We ask these things in your name, in your authority. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.